This week on Moms Moving On. You have a cell phone for your convenience, not anybody else's. So when they blow up your phone with a text or calls or voicemails or emails, you have a choice if you're going to even read it, if you're going to respond to it, when you choose to read it. It does not have to be instantaneous when you're having lunch with girlfriends. When you're spending quality time with your kid, put down your phone. Live your life, not your divorce. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hello, and welcome back to another Moms Moving On. It's me, Michelle, and I hope you're all enjoying your summer. I have been really into all of your feedback about the podcast and taking it all to heart. And that's why I have today's guest on. His name is Seth Nelson. He's a family law attorney uh, from Nelson Coster Law Firm, a Tampa-based law firm where Seth is known for devising creative solutions to difficult problems. He himself is divorced, and his motto is helping people good people through difficult times. Seth, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I mean, this all started because for some reason you invited me on your podcast, How to Split a Toaster, which I think is probably one of the greatest podcast names I've heard when it comes to divorce podcasts. We got one thing going for us. Well, that was a fun experience for me. And then I knew I had to have you on because I think you bring such a great perspective to this whole divorce world that we're in. And, and really because you are bringing the male perspective and we have a lot of women on here talking from the female perspective and you yourself are living proof that you can have a healthy co-parenting relationship and move on and raise healthy children despite a divorce. Well, thank you. That's the greatest compliment I think people can ever give me is that my former spouse and I get along really well. We put Kai first and everything else just makes it easy. Tell me from the male, the the co-parenting father, divorce lawyer perspective, what do you think is the main issue right now in these high conflict, contentious divorces that are just popping up every single day? So I'm always cautious when someone asks me about the entire male race. I get a lot of credit with my girlfriend when I say I do not defend the male race. We make a lot of stupid decisions. They're based on ego. You know, I just had this conversation with somebody. Ego. Ego is the reason for so many problems in this world, but especially when it comes to divorce and when there are children involved, it's it's that much worse. Like in your practice, are you defending mainly men or is it a mix of both? It's a mix of both. It's probably 60, 40 women, the 60%, okay. 40 male. And a lot of that is because my approach, I'm not out there saying aggressive attorney and take her to the cleaners. And so I think we just relate more with women. And then women refer or former clients refer clients and women hang out with women. And so just it's progressed. I have a lot, though, of male clients that are making good decisions, 
want to get this behind them, want to do the hard work, want to focus on their kid. It really is a case-by-case basis. But you are still seeing those who cannot be tamed because their ego has gotten the best of them, I imagine. Absolutely. And it's really based, in my views, on insecurities. I think that is the least attractive quality in a person. And if someone is insecure, then run, <laughs> just stay away because the way it You mean from the divorce itself, attorney perspective, you should run from the client? I think that if the attorney is insecure that you have and everything has to be a fight, that's a warning side for you, the client. I think if you are a client who is going to have insecurities during the divorce process, understandably, let's identify them. Let's deal with them one at a time. Let's talk about what information we need to make decisions so we can be fully informed and then help us with our insecurities, our anxieties, and understanding It's not all going to happen in one day. Right. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, I'm four and a half years out and I made every mistake I think one can make in the divorce process. I took every fight way too seriously or every potential threat coming in from opposing counsel. Um, I wanted to rush the process to just get done with it. I didn't think things through. And I did that out of fear to avoid the wrath of my ex's ego. And I see that women... And men follow these same patterns time and time again in every every divorce I've seen in terms of my clients, where the woman eventually just tends to like shut down out of fear and anxiety over what might happen or what these threats are that are coming in. She says yes to things, she rushes, she just gets it all out of the way. And then the cycle perpetuates because the ego drove all the decisions on the male side and fear drove drove the woman to just say, okay, whatever. And then this continues into the co-parenting relationship. I could not agree with you more. And I try to break that cycle with my clients. So we actually play a game. It's called bullshit. Oh, I like, I like, I don't like bullshit, but I like games. Okay. So here's what I tell my clients. Tell me what your spouse is saying about the divorce. And I am going to respond. So you hear it all the time with all the amazing people that in your community and you're helping with. Tell me something that they hear from their spouse. Okay. Um, If you don't do this, I won't let you see the kids. Bullshit. Okay. If you try to have less than 50-50 for me, I am going to tell everyone you're a whore. Bullshit. Okay. I so will tell- on those two that you said, it's what he is saying. So we can't really control that. But when they say, you'll never see the kids mm-hmm. or everyone's going to believe you're a whore, okay? Then you have to say, He's going to say all these things about me, but people are going to judge me that I care about based on my actions. Yes, Seth. I'm, I, I say this all day, every day. Like one of my mottos in my community is just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. And that goes for 
the horrible way your ex is going to represent you to his people, um, the threats him and his lawyer might make, you know, oh, we're going to take the shirt off your back if you don't bend over backwards type of thing. And it's really hard for a woman. I don't know why we are like this, but it's really hard to step out of the mindset of like where we take everything at their word with these guys. Absolutely. It is hard cycle to break. So a couple of recommendations that I have is, is first to understand that you have a cell phone for your convenience, not anybody else's. Ooh, ooh, I'm writing that down. That just became the quote of the episode. You have a cell phone for your convenience. So when they blow up your phone with the texts or calls or voicemails or emails, because we get all this information through our phone, you have a choice if you're going to even read it, if you're going to respond to it, when you choose to read it. It does not have to be instantaneous when you're having lunch with girlfriends, when you're spending quality time with your kid. Put down your phone. I I love that because I think we feel this need to fire back incessantly and immediately. And I always say there's no award given for the person who responds to text the fastest. As a matter of fact, the faster you respond, the worse of an answer you're going to give. So put it down and walk away. And not only is it going to be a worse of an answer, that person on the other side of the text is engaged right then. Don't engage with them. No Don't offense, engage. but, but, you know, high conflict ex-spouses, the men are kind of like toddlers. Like, you know, you give them an inch, they take a mile and then they take some more and then they start playing opposite day. And then it just, it goes in circles. They're and- not kind of like toddlers. They're immature children that throw tantrums. Ugh. Well, listen, you know, we're all, we're all at our worst at, at the beginning of a divorce process and probably until we adjust to co-parenting, even after the papers are signed. But there are so many ways that you learn to be a stronger, more communicative, more empowered person in dealing with a high conflict ex-spouse I've found. But one of the questions I get so often, because I'm always saying, just put your phone down and walk away, put your phone down, don't respond. If the answer can be given in the parenting plan, then you don't need to respond. You can just walk away. If it's a personal question, you don't have an obligation to answer. And then so many of my clients will say, but he says, if I don't um, respond that I look like I'm, I'm a neglectful mother and I'm neglecting the co-parenting relationship. And so they're torn between wanting to look good in court because they're responding to the ex who's asking a million and one questions about nothing and then protecting their peace. So how does the court really see it when somebody just kind of like gray rock, whatever that term is, doesn't respond and, and leaves it up to the parenting plan? That's a great question. And it's a tough balance. And what I mean by that is, first off, here's another quote for the podcast episode. Live your life not your divorce. Whoa. Oh my God. Where were you when I was writing my book? Two for you. Okay. What I mean by that is you don't have to look at everything through how is a court going to view this. If you do what's right in your heart and in your core in taking the advice of good lawyers, taking the advice that you're giving people on how to live their lives going through to the divorce, it's all going to be fine in court. And so what I mean by that is 
you get home, it's quiet, you want to look at the text. And there's a message about there that's asking all these questions, two of which are relevant to the children. Respond to those. Or it says um, something that's very obvious in the parenting plan. You can respond and say, hey, I'm going to go by what the parenting plan says. And so it's X. Right. So then you don't look like you're being just non-engaged and not trying to co-parent and all of that stuff that you're worried about. Now, we're in court and there's a million text messages. Judges hate that. They don't want to read text after text after text after text. It, 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 they see it all day. Yeah. So I have some judges that are say, pick your top five. No way. Yeah. I had a judge. There's a hundred text messages here. If you put this all into evidence and it was the opposing counsel, I'm going to read them all. Do you really want me to do that? Are they all that vital to your case? How do they relate to the 20 different factors in Florida family law? Point me in the right direction. What are the top five that gives me a flavor? Right? So some judges will do that. Some judges will let you waste your time reading every single text messages. I, I made the mistake, Seth, when I was going through my divorce, I screenshot every text and emailed it to my lawyer, not realizing that every time they opened an email, it was like 0.6 on the clock. Right, and I was right. paying for them to read these ridiculous text messages when I should have just been like, talking to my therapist about how to like not take this all personally, but it's so hard. And I think, you know, being outside of it, it's easy to say like, don't let it get to you and don't worry about it. But that's where the facts come in and what ultimately matters in the outcome of the divorce. And I'd, I'd like to think, and, you know, having a, a family court judge under my roof, I know that it's not it's it's not the back and forth between, you know, the two that matter. It's not who fought the hardest in that text battle. It's ultimately just how the kids are going to come out of this and what's going to be best for them. Hey guys, Michelle here with a word from one of our sponsors. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. For a limited time, get $50 off your device by emailing info at Soberlink.com and mentioning Moms Moving On. Drive safe. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, 
heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right, $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. So how do you, as a lawyer, take these two people who want to run each other over with their cars and say, okay, let's let's put these fears aside. Let's put this ego aside and focus on what's most important here. Like, is there is there a way to do that? It's first off, everything we're saying is very um, falls under the umbrella of easier said than done. No one's saying this is easy. So the way I approach it is very methodical with my clients. As we all know, there's 20 factors in fa- family law parenting issues. I review those factors and I have my client review them and we go through them together and say, what are your strengths as a parent? What are some of your weaknesses? We all have them. Let's just own it. Be honest about it. One of mine, when my son was little, we got divorced when my son was just two and a half. I was, Bella was this too. Uh, Yeah. I know it's hard and so little. (laughs) In diapers. Um, I know it's crazy. I would get tired and become impatient and be very short with him. And I realized that on my weekends, when he took a nap, I needed a nap because I had to recharge. So taking care of myself in that moment was going to make a better weekend for him. And I would say in parenting, sometimes I get tired, I get really short. And it's not the kid's fault. So right. And I think it's I think it's great that you're you can communicate that to your child too, because unfortunately in divorce, I think our children are looking for the worst in each parent to understand why these two people are not together anymore. So when you can be open and communicative with them about it and and show that you're taking care of yourself to better take care of them, I think that's the best thing you can do. I had the same strategy, by the way, when Bella was two. Um, she was one of those kids that would only fall asleep in the car when she napped. So oh. I had a routine. No matter what was going on, I would drive around my neighborhood till she fell asleep, carry her into my bed, and I would go to bed too at that point because man, doing it by yourself is hard at that age. It's so hard. And I'm just glad you said you didn't take a nap behind the wheel. No, no, <laughs> that I, I've never done yet. Um, but he, when when you see these people fighting over 50-50 and you have, let's say, a male client who is an orthopedic surgeon and works 100 hours a week and he is fighting for 50-50. Do you ever tell them to take a step back and and recognize how hard that might be on them and the children and how unfair it is? Every case. Every case. Every case, I talk about the return on your investment. So let's just take a parenting plan like you're discussing. We all know that it's pretty much every other weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night with mom, the reverse with dad. 
I'm just saying a normal work schedule, not working nights, or I have to get to the surgical room at five in the morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a 50-50 on the weekends. We're left with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. Obviously, mom gets one. Dad gets another one. We're left with two. Right now, we're at 50-50. If mom got Monday, she also got Tuesday. Dad gets Wednesday. The only thing we're arguing about for a 50-50 is Thursday night. You with me? I'm with you. How much money and heartache and putting the kids in the middle are we going to argue about Thursday night? And there's an easy compromise. Maybe dad gets every other Thursday. So now we're arguing about one Thursday night every two weeks. And I think that people want time with their kids so they can have an emotional bond to be there to support that child. Like when you got divorced, when Bella was two, you want it when she's 12, 22, 32, 42. If you can't build that relationship on a 60-40 time sharing and you have the 40, the other 10% isn't going to help. Right. Well, okay. Common sense isn't so common, right? Like we're all pissed off and we want our kids more than we don't have them. And for a lot of men that don't have the flexibility in their work to pick the kids up from school and be present with them when it matters, they still want it no matter what. And it's driven again by that ego. What is the one thing you would say to a mom who is dealing with an ex doing that very thing, fighting for time they very well know they shouldn't have? Two aspects to it. Is there other time in the schedule that we can give to dad to get him closer to 50-50? Maybe an extra week in the summer. Maybe a little more on um, spring break. Maybe long weekends, he picks up a Monday. I think guys typically don't care about how they get their 50-50 because they just want to say they have 50-50. Right, and they just want to win, right? Yeah, so if you can give them the win that doesn't really negatively impact the kids, you want to do the heavy lifting during the school year. I know that we don't want to create Disney dads, but give them some of that and get them closer and closer to that magical nerve and avoid a lot of problems. Do you know that I don't have a problem with the Disney dad mentality? You know why? Why is that? First of all, I didn't have a dad who wanted to spend time with me. And here's how I see it. If you have little kids, especially girls, because as we know, a girl's relationship with her father is very important and dictates how she's going to insist on being treated for the rest of her life. If you have a dad that wants to dote on and spoil and do fun things and show these kids the world, even if it's just to give a proverbial middle finger to the ex-wife, how great for the kids to have that experience. Everyone shits on the Disney dad mentality 
I, I, I still, you know, I know it, it's annoying for the ex-wife and sure I do all the heavy lifting and here he is having fun, but not for nothing in, in married typical two parent homes, it's not much different. And I think how great, you know, my daughter has very much a Disney dad. He's fun. He does all the things I probably would be too lazy to do on a weekend, all these experiences and God bless it because I want my daughter to grow up and find a man who wants to give her all the best in life. So I'm on board with the Disney dad thing. And even if it means, you know, daddy being more fun than me, okay, I'm mom. Mom's never going to be as fun as dad. Right. And also from your own personal experience, I think the greatest joy in parenting is seeing the outcome of your work and the work is during the week. Yeah, right. totally. So, totally. and people do this too. They argue about this, which blows my mind. I got to do all the driving. Are you kidding me? It's the best the bonding time. One-on-one time in the car? Yeah. You've got them captive. Yeah, I know. Like, I love that time. You know how many people say to me, why are you like your ex-husband's driver? You're dr- constantly driving Bella there, picking her up. Take-. And I'm like... Because I get more time, like any, any extra minute of time with her, I'm going to take, I love the responsibility. I love that. I am the one who can drop everything and pick her up from school. If she's not feeling well, or take her to the dentist appointment, because I have the flexibility in my schedule, more responsibility. Sometimes, you know, I, I have a lot of moms that are like, well, fuck him. Cause I'm the one who has to drop everything for the kids all the time. Yeah. But isn't that great that you get to do that? And I get the other side of that coin. When that mom says that, she's mad at dad. She's not focused at that moment on the kids. And guess what? If your kids need to be picked up or if they need a hug and they're sick, you're probably going to do it better. Go do it. Amen. Well, it sounds like from what you're telling us, and first of all, I love having your perspective. You are a divorced man. You have, you are working with couples to help divorce them every single day. And you can honestly admit that sometimes the men make it a little more difficult than it needs to be. I love having this perspective from you. And I, I think what we all need to hear from you right now, ultimately for the people who are just starting out on the divorce process, everyone wants to know that it's all going to be okay. So let us know how, how often do these, you know, really difficult people really end up in trial and going back and forth for years in the courtroom? It's a very small percentage. It's a very small percentage. Say it again. We run, very small percentage. We run well over a hundred cases in my law firm and we're constantly growing. We tried less than 10%. Far less, maybe five. You see that, everybody? What happens is cases settle when they're ready to settle. So you tried to rush yours. Yes. How do we get a case ready to settle? We even the playing field. So if he's not giving support, you go get a temporary order that makes him pay support. You might be the one, let's own it, maybe not wanting to give him the kids. If he goes to court, gets a temporary order, having the kids more than you wanted, now the 
playing field might be even a little more. I'm not saying 50, 50. I'm saying you only giving Saturday and Sunday night and he goes to court and gets every other weekend and Wednesday. It's a pretty good indication of what might happen at the end. So why are we going to spend all this money if we know what might happen? The other thing is, once you have all the information to make the decision, they'll say, I'm not giving you access to my bank accounts. You cannot look at my business records. And we have a lawyer that knows what to do and goes, gets the records, gets the accounts, looks at where he's spending his money. Then it gets even. Okay. And if you want to know what's important to someone, it's very easy, in my opinion. You look at where they spend their time and their money. And that's the ultimate decider in some of these cases. You're good, Seth. You are good, good, good. I wish I had your advice four and a half years ago. I wish I had a lot of things four and a half years ago. That You're I- doing well now, though. But to your point is don't be afraid of trial. Right. People are terrified of it. As scared as you are of trial, your controlling husband is far more terrified. And here's why. They have no control. Exactly. I was going to say, when a judge, sometimes, you know, I do believe getting in front of a judge is the best thing you can do because it's going to get settled fair and square in the interest, best interest of the children, whether you like it or not, you know, and that, that sometimes isn't a terrible thing, but ultimately women do not want to drag these things out in, in litigation. They just don't. And I don't blame them. It's a very scary, anxiety inducing time. It's horrible. So to help yourself get through it quickly, be responsive to your lawyer. If they say, I need your financial documents, work on them. If you say it's overwhelming, I don't know the passwords. I forget. Say, can I come to your office and sit down with your paralegal and spend some time getting on my bank accounts? Let's do it. Be proactive that way. And that will help get your case done more quickly in this very long process. The other thing about trial that's really important, and we're back to men being children. (laughs) In court, everyone gets treated like a child. Right. You speak when spoken to. Usually you're answering a question. And other than that, you sit there with your mouth shut. Yep. And people that like control hate that. Yep. So when your guy that you fell in love with and waited to, you know, marry him and you had kids and you did whatever, and he's so controlling. He's not going to like sit in that courtroom. At the end of the day, your high conflict fight loving man is going to get way, way shut down in court. So you don't have to worry about it. And I think what people forget is that like judges see this kind of personality all the time and they just don't want to deal with it. Like they get more and more tired of it by the day. Every day. And not only that. As much as your guy is the worst that you think anyone could ever seen, they're worse out there. There are. And, there are. And the, and the judge saw it, the case before yours, 
and we'll see it on the case after yours. Seth, you are a wealth of knowledge and information. I feel like we could talk about this all day, but I love that you were able to give your perspective from where you sit and what you see every day to our listeners. Where can they find you if they have more questions? Uh, my website's nelsoncoster.com, and that's the firm website. And you can also just Google anywhere how to split a toaster. That you guys have to listen to this podcast. They're hilarious. Yeah, we got my uh, good friend, Pete who is also uh, one of the hosts of the show. And we loved having you on it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we're just trying to put quality information out there to help people get through this process. And you're doing it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm excited to bring you more and more Moms Moving On. If you have not yet jumped on Amazon and pre-ordered my new book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice for Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self, go do that. I can't wait to share that with you, too. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.